May God's grace, mercy, and peace be yours this day in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The text for the message comes from our psalm reading from Psalm 24. Let us pray. Most gracious God, the eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. Help us to see your hand of blessing always. And as we gather, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, for you are our maker and our redeemer. Amen. Paradigm shift. I've heard it defined as uh, looking through a, a different window at the world, sort of like a new perspective. A paradigm shift is defined as an important change that happens when a usual way of thinking about or doing something is replaced by a new and different way. Perhaps you've had a shift in your thinking or your perception about something before. Uh, when I worked at a, in the foundry in Miami and down South Florida, I worked with a man from England by the name of Ray. It was interesting that as we worked in the engineering department and, and working on calculations, I found that the way that he did a math problem, longhand, and the way that I did it were two different ways. They always came out with the same answer, but it was a different way to calculate. And, and it was interesting that there were times that I always found myself using his way because it always seemed to be easier, a little bit of a paradigm shift. I was recently listening to a, a podcast with a leadership guru, John Maxwell, and he, if you don't know much about him, he started off as a, a church pastor. And he said that when he came out of college, he went into his first church to, to lead this church. And, and he said, you know, when I came out of college, I had an answer for everything. He said, I was brilliant. Just ask me a question. Boom, I had an answer for you. Uh, he said, I was awesome when I was teaching about parenting. I had all the answers for parents struggling with children. And then he paused for a minute. He says, then I had kids. <laughs> he had a paradigm shift, didn't he? Whole new way of looking at things once those kids came along. In our message for the next four weeks, we're going to be faced with a paradigm shift of sorts. Something that leads us to take a new view on life. In our reading today from Psalm 24, the paradigm shift that we face today is that we live life as a manager, not as the owner. And as we look to God's Word, as we talk about our ministry at St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School, as we've shared this dream of changing lives for Jesus Christ, and as we consider this theme today, this is a shift for us because we like to think that we're the owner, don't we? I mean, well, we own lots of things. Many of you may remember the first time you owned something. Maybe it's your first car, for example. Uh, mine uh, was a car from the neighbor of my, my grandmother's, my grandparents. Uh, it was a Ford Mustang, early model. And, 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 and with that ownership, you learn some things pretty quickly, don't you? You learn that it comes with a responsibility responsibility to, to fix anything that went wrong. You were required to maintain the car, to provide insurance, pay for uh, the license, the tags, the tires, the gas. Uh, uh, there's a shift. You see things in a new way. Some of you may remember purchasing your first home, your very own space. That was yours and yours alone. It was incredible, wasn't it? That is until the furnace breaks. <laughs> or the air conditioner breaks, or a hailstorm comes through town. The psalmist reminds us the earth 
is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. God's word is clear. We really aren't owners of anything. He is the owner. And that's our first point today. That in our life as a manager, life as a manager, we need to remember that first God owns it all. At first glance, these words of David in the psalm really don't seem too controversial. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. If this creation is God's, then God sets the rules, doesn't he? He gets to include, exclude, after all, he, it, it is his. And so these words are controversial because they are confrontational. They confront us with the issue of ownership. Ownership brings to mind the law. I mean, say you invent something. You take out a patent to prove that it's your idea, that it's your product. You, you write a book, you write a poem, a, a piece of music, you copyright it to prove that it's yours. You own it. There's that old rule of law that says possession is nine-tenths of the law. If you've got it, the burden of proof falls on uh, the person who does not to show you that it's theirs. We can have a lot of fun with ownership, don't we? When uh, among siblings or family and, and friends, uh, when we were kids, what were those commonly uh, words that we used, right? Uh, shotgun or dibs. Uh, shotgun, you reserve that seat in the car, that's yours, right? Or dibs, maybe it's on your favorite part of the, uh, the Thanksgiving turkey. And here, the Spirit, through King David, is announcing a copyright, a patent calling shotgun or dibs, if you will, on behalf of the Lord on everything. The earth is the Lord's. Everything in the earth is the Lord's. The world is the Lord's. All who live in it are the Lord's. And so very quickly, every moment of our lives becomes a moment when the seventh commandment comes into play. You shall not steal. So God challenges our understanding, saying, you shall not steal from me, the Lord your God. He owns it all, right? All things material, all things intellectual, all things physical, all things spiritual, human and animal, all all those, they are his. They are his for the simple reason that the Lord made them. But let's think about some things that show us that we really aren't the owners. One day, you and I, we will die. Everything you possess now will be given to someone else. The stuff, (laughs) your stuff might be given to someone you don't even like. You're the manager of it for a little while. Then God provides it to someone else to manage. He's the owner. You've never seen a U-Haul following a hearse to the graveyard. If you have, that's just a little weird, isn't it? A lot of people have tried to take it with them. That's why people have raided and robbed the tombs of the pharaohs. They tried to take everything with them into the afterlife. Slaves, boats, gold, and food. You can't take stuff with you. It is all God's. Everything we have has been provided by God, and it is all His. 
Even the ability to work and earn money is given to us by God. We heard it in that second uh, Old Testament reading from Deuteronomy. You may say to yourself, my power and, my, and the strength of my hand have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gave you, gives you the ability to produce wealth. You know, uh, that is one of those great blessings for me as uh, being a pastor in a church that's been around for 161 years and has had a school for 156 years. Because you come into this place, into this building, and you come here knowing that before you, God provided pastors and principals and teachers and parishioners for over 161, 156 years. But it's also a reminder that God will provide pastors, principals, teachers, and parishioners long after I'm gone. God's the owner. Everything we have comes from his hands. If you don't remember anything else today, I want that embedded in your heart. God owns it all. He loves you. He cares for you. He's the one that's in control. You know, God gives so much to you and me. This is how Martin Luther explained that first article of the Apostles' Creed when he asked that famous question, what does this mean? The answer was, I believe that God has made me in all creatures, that he has given me my body, soul, eyes, ears, and all my members, my reason and all my senses, and still takes care of them. He also gives me clothing and shoes, food and drink, house and home, wife, children, land, animals, and all that I have. He richly and daily provides me with all that I need to support this body and life. He defends me against all danger. He guards and protects me from all evil. All this he does only out of fatherly divine goodness and mercy without any merit or worthiness in me. For all this it is my duty to thank and praise, serve and obey him. This is most certainly true. You know, God gives so much to us. And so in our life as a manager, we need to remember that secondly, I manage what he gives to me. I mean, if God is the owner, that makes you and me managers. God is the one who gives. He gives his word to us. He gives the blessing of baptism and the Lord's Supper. He gives uh, forgiveness, as we heard in the gospel reading, that idea of forgiveness. He gives talents and abilities to us. He gives opportunities to serve and to work. He gives us opportunities to care for others. So what do we do with all the things that God gives to us? We manage them, don't we? Caretakers, if you will, of all the things he gives to us. Now, if we're a manager, it becomes clear that we must handle everything he's provided with care and consideration. Just think about it. If you're an employee at a business. Uh, what is the business owner's expectation of you? As an employee, you are a manager of some of the owner's property, and you must handle it with great care. Otherwise, you become unemployed. <laughs> but suppose you had, a, let's say, $10,000, and you entrusted someone to take care of it for you, maybe invest it for you, manage it for you. What if you found out that person took your money and spend it on themselves. 
they would have poorly managed that which you have given to them. And that's why you'd be upset with them, wouldn't you? They took your money and they spent it on themselves. They were not a good manager. They misused your trust in them. You know, this weekend we rejoice with our faculty and staff at St. Paul's Lutheran School, dedicating ourselves to touching and changing lives of all who come through our doors with the love of Jesus. Our faculty are great managers of the gifts that God has given to them. Our staff and support staff are great managers of the gifts that God has given to them. Our volunteers are great managers of the gifts that God has given to them, managing what God has given in order to share his message of love, that message of forgiveness, that message of his grace. You know, the Board of Stewardship, as you heard at at the beginning of the service, is planning an opportunity for you to help manage the financial gifts that God has given you. There's a program, it's in the announcements about Ramsey Plus. It allows you to take part and study. Study from home, help you take control of these financial blessings that God has given you. Maybe you've gotten in debt. Here's an opportunity to take hold of that, figure it out, get rid of that debt, and to move on and be generous with what God's given you. As a manager, we need to realize that everything we have comes from God in, for, in the first place. So God asks us the same question. Are you a good manager of what he has given you? You know, in our life as a manager, we need to remember that finally or thirdly, that this is an issue of trust. A manager is placed in that position because the owner trusts them. So stewardship is not just an issue of money, it's an issue of trust. God trusts you and God trusts me with a lot of things. He trusts us with our our bodies, our family. He trusts us with our time, our gifts, our talents. And he trusts us with money. Those are the things he gives to us. Those are the things he entrusts us with. God knew that things like money and possessions would quickly compete for our hearts. That's why his word speaks so often about it. And did you know that 17 out of the 38 parables are about money or possessions? That nearly one out of six verses in the gospel of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John focus on money and possessions? Now, I'm told that there are more verses about money and possessions in the Bible than love and hope and prayer. Since this is an issue of trust, it It begs a couple of questions, doesn't it? First, can God trust me? Can God trust you? Money competes with God for control of our lives. So what we do with our money is a direct indication, indicator of our heart. Jesus said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Do you treasure your treasure? Or is your treasure the most important thing? You know, money, a lot of times we see money as a proof of commitment, don't we? To purchase a house, you need to provide earnest money. To reserve a hotel room, you provide a cash or or, or credit or debit card number. A lot of people uh, purchased an engagement ring or a wedding ring as a sign of commitment. But what about our commitment to God? What about your commitment to God? 
what you do with money illustrates the answer to that question. So let's consider some basic biblical financial questions that can help us each answer that question, am I a good manager of what God has provided? Uh, first question is, am I giving money to God's work? Psalm or Proverbs 3, verse 9, honor the Lord with your wealth, the first fruits of all your crops. Or the second question, do I plan, do I have a plan for the money that God's provided? Proverbs 21, verse 5, the plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. <laughs> and finally, can God trust me with everything he has provided? In our lives as managers, can God trust us? There's a, it's, it's an old story. I know I've probably told it before over the years. It's a story of an old country preacher who approached a farmer in his congregation and he asked him the question, he, say, he said, if, if you had 100 cows, would you be willing to give 50 of them to the Lord? The farmer came back, of course I would, preacher. I would be willing to do that. Well, the preacher said, well, if you had 100 horses, would you be willing to give 50 of your horses to the Lord? Oh, absolutely. I would give 50 of those horses to the Lord. And the preacher asked, well, what if you had two pigs? Would you give one of them to the Lord? The farmer got real quiet. He said, preacher, that's not fair. You know I have two pigs. <laughs> it's not how much we have of the world that dictates our generosity to God, but how much God has of us. What are you doing now with what you have? Can God trust you? The second question is important too. Can I trust God? It's interesting that the only time God ever tells us to, tr to test him, it's with money. In Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room for it. Trust is critical in every relationship. Can God trust you? Do you trust him? Even our currency reminds us in God we trust. I remember that uh, time when I started the, the college route to go to seminary after working for about seven and a half, eight years. I remember having a conversation with God, trusting him to lead the way. And there were a lot of times that uh, a figurative, if you will, wall dropped right in front of me and I had to make a decision which way to go, and trusting that God would lead the way. And he provided along the way. And I know I've told this story before too, but I remember vividly sitting in my seminary dorm room. I had bills in my desk drawer. I really wasn't sure how I was going to pay for them. But then unknown to me, God moved the heart of an older woman in Minnesota. Didn't know me at all who had a desire to help a seminary student. I had just met her pastor over the summer, meeting a mutual friend, uh, and, and she wanted to support a seminary student to be a pastor, and he gave her my name and address. And Dorothy trusted in God. God trusted in her with the resources to bless me in my seminary career. This is a paradigm shift for us, isn't it? 
It's a tough one because we want to be in charge. This gives you and me a new view of life. Our life as a manager. Do you recognize that God owns everything? Do you realize that you are just a manager of those gifts? Do you trust him with everything? Even your entire life. It is my prayer that God richly bless you as you manage his gifts each and every day. Amen. And now may the peace of God that transcends all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.